We thank you for your presence coming in and settling down upon each and every one, granting us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all may be seated. We're going to go ahead and dismiss Children's Church. Glory to God, CIA, you are dismissed. So Pastors Mark and Brenda are just taking a little break. It's her birthday this Friday, you know. So it's just a, a time of celebration this week, and we just pray the blessings of the Lord upon them. Tonight I want to talk to you a little bit. On Sunday morning, Pastor began to preach an outstanding message, as he always does. You know, we are so very blessed here by our pastors, both pastors Mark and Brenda. And as he began to minister, he said these words. Um, actually, it was, part, it was probably in the middle of the message. And he said these words, Your grace finds me and sees me through. Your grace finds me and sees me through. And you know, many times as you are inclining your ear, do you know what the word inclined means? It means to lean into, so that you will have a listener's lean. You're leaning. Another, another def definition of lean, uh, inclining is to bow. So much like you're in submission to the word. As you're bowing to the word of God and you're inclining, you're leaning into, you're listening with a listening ear. And so, you know, it's almost like an intimate gesture, really, where you become intimate with what is being preached with the word, who is Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the word. And so as you're inclining and listening, you know what begins to happen? The Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. And he'll speak to you and give you revelation about things that the minister didn't even say. And it will be personal to you. It will be personal for you and for your situation. And so I was inclining my ear and the Holy Spirit emphasized the word finds. Your grace finds me. And sees me through. And I thought, hmm, you know, I know when the Holy Spirit emphasizes a word with me, that's how he works a lot of times, that I need to pursue it and find out what it completely means. So I Googled it. <laughs> As I was sitting there, I Googled it. You know, his word is so important. Just one word from God can speak a thousand words to your heart and so much more. So inclining your ear, you'll hear a word. Oh, you'll hear words from heaven spoken to you. So again, I Googled the word and here's what I found. Finds, plural, it's a parsipical. And a parsipical is a word that is formed from a verb or a noun, but it's used as an adjective. So the word finds actually means to be actively present. 
So his grace finds me would mean his grace is actively present to see me through. Now, isn't that good? I mean, we can say amen and go home on that. So we see here again a verb. A verb does what? It shows action. An adjective that's used to describe an action. A noun that is the Holy Spirit. His grace is present. He is present. And he actively finds me and sees me through. Did you ever play hide and seek as a kid? I had the best places to hide. I'll tell you, I love to play hide and seek. And we had some, uh, my neighbors had old cars, and I would just find a certain place, and I would hide there, and they just could not find me. Remember then you have to run to the tree, and you have to go, ollie, ollie, auction, free, free, free. <clears throat> but those were fun times. You know, kids were out playing, and, and it just was just a blessed time growing up. And so, you know, I would play hide-and-seek. And when you play hide-and-seek, you have one seeker who's in the group, and then the rest of the group goes and finds a place to hide. And the seeker has to do what? Has to do the seeking. Has to look. The seeker is out to do what? The seeker is out to find. To find you. Now, I also play hide-and-go-seek with my grandkids. And the funny thing about it is, especially the little one who's like three, he will go and he'll hide in the very same place every time, thinking that I don't know where he's at, right? And then, you know, I'll go and I'll just, uh, where are you, Jacob? He thinks I don't know where he is, but I do. And so does God. He knows right where you are at. He knows where you're at in your life. He knows what you come through. He knows what you're dealing with. And he knows where he's taking you to. Many times people hide from his grace. They may believe that they just don't deserve it. Maybe they blew it today and you're like, you know, I have to pay for it or something. But see, the good news is nobody deserves it. But his grace still seeks us. His grace still seeks us out. You know, there's stages of growth. And, you know, as, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word so that they can grow thereby. But then there comes the teenage years. And the teenagers, I mean, teenagers can be a little bit rebellious. <laughs> And they can have attitude that just hangs out all over. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting time because sometimes they're just not receptive to what is good and what is right for them. And then you have young adults. And young adults sometimes, sometimes will say, well, I can put, you know, my relationship with God off till later because I have all this time. And then you have older ones, elders, and elders sometimes would say, well, you know, you just can't teach an old dog new tricks. And so they'll come with that attitude. But you know what? In every stage of development, God, his grace, is seeking you. To be presently active to help you. And here's what I found out. Today is the day. If you will not harden your heart, and you will hark 
unto his voice and you will give heed to it. Today is the day that he wants to work a work in you. A work that will bring forth a wonder in your life. And a wonder simply is something that causes people to stand up and take notice that God has been there. God is present. And he's actively present. And he's seeking you with his grace to see you through. Two weeks ago, I was in ladies' prayer, and we were praying, and some words kept coming up in my heart as we were praying out. We had been praying in the Spirit for about 20 minutes, just praying in the Spirit. And then, and then the Holy Spirit began to give interpretation of that. And one of the things that kept coming up during that time of interpreting what we were praying is uh, the words, you, you say you can't, but you can. You say you can't. But you can. Why? Because you're standing in him. And he's standing in you. And there was such a revelation. We were praying for the body of Christ. And for the body of Christ to receive the revelation of what the Holy Spirit wants to say to the church today. And this is what was coming up. I'm standing in him. And he's standing in me. That is an awesome revelation to know. It's an awesome revelation that will bring you through when you know who you are in him. Now, two definitions of grace that I like to talk about, and you've heard me say them before, but it it goes right with what we're talking about tonight, is number one, God's power doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. That is God's grace. It comes on the scene to empower you. Now, God's not going to always do everything for you. Because without him, we cannot. Without us, he will not. It's a partnership. It's a covenant partnership. And so, his grace empowers us to do what we cannot do in and of ourselves. Number two definition is that grace means the divine influence of the heart. Now you see, there's a way that seems right into man, but it leads to the absence of God's presence. It leads to death. And so, you know, it's so important to know that God wants to and is seeking after the ability to divinely influence your heart. And all you have to do is open it up. And when you open it up, all of a sudden where there was no way, you see a way. Because God makes it. You know, all of a sudden where you didn't understand something, God gives you a higher thought about it. Because his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And that's what he'll do for you as he divinely influences your heart. Under pressure, you're going to find out what is in you. Isn't that right? So we have here, thank you, Martha, some toothpaste. And this toothpaste tube, if we squeeze it, what comes out? Is it butter? Is it sugar? What's in it? Toothpaste. So what's going to come out of it? Toothpaste. So it's important to, 
to know what's on the inside of you. It's important to know yourself. It's important to examine yourself. It's important to know where your faith is at. Amen? Hallelujah. Adversity teaches you some things. Adversity teaches you hard times through hard times. It teaches you through difficult times. It teaches you through bad reports. It teaches you through times of grace, uh, grief. It teaches you through sorrow and pain. It teaches you through times of loss. It teaches you in disappointment. It will teach you what is in you. Amen? How are you going to respond in hard times, in difficult times? with a bad report, in times of grief, in times of sorrow, in times of pain, in times of loss, in disappointment. How are you going to respond? Or are you going to respond? Sometimes people just react. But that's of the soul, you know? You've got to respond from your spirit. Adversity will teach you to stand in him. Not in yourself. But in him. Remember, I'm standing in him. And he is standing in me. Glory to God. Recently, I've had the opportunity to see what's in me. And to be stretched. As we all are on this earth life. Isn't that right? We all get stretched. You know, I oversee pastoral care. Let me tell you. Every family, every home, every individual, every ministry, every business, every endeavor, you're going to be stretched. Your faith is going to be tried. And so, in this particular incident, I had, had I've been dealing with uh, issues concerning my health. And so it's something I've been standing for. And so when things first came up, I began to feel like the disciples in the boat, you know? In that storm, that megastorm, that seismos, we can see a seismos and the effect of a seismos on human nature when, we, when it's recorded in actually the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where Jesus told the disciples those famous words, let's go to the other side. Let us go. Let us cross over to the other side. And then they get out there in the middle of the lake, and all of a sudden, there comes up a great storm. It said a tempest arose. Now, that's what Matthew's account calls it. Calls it a tempest. The Greek word for tempest is seismos. And that's where we get our um, English word, um, earthquake. And what does an earthquake do? An earthquake comes to shake the foundation Upon everything in which it's built. And so, you know, when you're in a seismos, everything you stand for can and will be shaken. Again, your faith will be challenged. Fear and doubt will try to take hold of you. The devil will try to paint a picture that will tell you his vision. You know, we call it around here television, but I'll tell you what you got to do. You just got to change the channel. So let's look with me in Mark chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 35 through 41. It says, And the same day 
when the even was come, he said unto them, let us pass over to the other side. And when they had, they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that now it was full, so they were taking on water. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on the pillow. And they awakened him, and they said unto him, Master, don't you care that we perish? And so he got up, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Be quiet, peace, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still not have any faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him? Well, you know, what we can see here is a picture of, you know, a boat in a, in, in a great storm, a mega storm, a seismos. And of course, they're going to be like, what's going on? I don't understand what's happening. And Jesus is in the back of the boat and he's asleep. Doesn't he care? Have you ever felt that way? You're in the middle of a storm, and it's a seismos. And you're going, Jesus, where are you? Are you in the back of the boat? Are you asleep? Don't you care? Don't you see everything I'm going through? That's human nature. So notice again that the boat began to take on water. Did you know that ships don't sink in water? Ships don't sink in water. They sink when the water gets in them. Amen? See, Noah's boat didn't sink, did it? In Genesis chapter 6, verses 14, it says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shall thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. Noah's boat didn't sink because he built his boat the way God told him to build it. And that obedience not only saved his life, but the life of his family, those with him, and all of our lives. Amen? Why? Because he was obedient to how God said to do it. God said to pitch it within and to pitch it without. And so that tar, that pitch, it sealed the boat. Now, we're talking about a boat that's the size of a World War I battleship. That's a lot of pitch. That's a lot of patience. That's a lot of endurance. That's a lot of perseverance. But he did it the way God told him to do it, and it coated and it covered that ark. You won't sink in a storm if you don't allow the storm in you. You'll have peace in the storm if you don't allow the storm in you. Do you know what our pitch is? Our pitch, or our tar, is found in Revelations chapter 12 and verse 11. And it says this, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. 
what's in you, what's coming out of you, what are you speaking when you're under pressure? When that, when that tube on the inside of you is being squeezed, what's coming out of you? Is the word coming out of you? Is faith coming out of you? I'll tell you what, what's in you is going to come out of you. Glory to God. Do you know that you can pass through things without things passing through you? Amen? You can survive a situation because of what's in you, not because of what's around you. Now it's human nature to try to look for something tangible. Where's that ore to help me? But see, you can't look to the arm of the flesh. You can't just always look for other people. They may love you, but they're not always there for you in the way that they they need to be sometimes. And sometimes even when they are, they can't help you. You've got to look to the inside of you. Amen? And when you locate what's on the inside of you, that becomes your paddle. And you can use it as a tool. And he says that he will strengthen you with the spirit of might on the inner man. A spirit of might, a spirit of strength to see you through. You're not alone. You're standing in him. And he's standing in you, glory to God. Woo! Thank you, Lord. You know, Aaron went with Moses, didn't he, to help him. God sent a man to help him. But aren't you glad he just didn't send a man to help us? Aren't you glad that we don't need a man to help us? That he's in us and we're in him? The greater one lives in you. The greater one, greater than who? Greater than anything or anyone or any storm. Amen? He's the greater one. And he'll put you over. He'll see you through. <laughs> Glory to God. He's going to see me through. Say it. I'm g- God is going to see me through. His grace finds me. His grace is actively present to see me through. Now, you can't cower down. You can't be a coward. That's what one definition of that scripture says. They were cowards. But God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us the spirit of what? Love, power, and a sound mind. Now see, in the storm, you've got to guard your mind. You've got to guard your thought life. You've got to stay in a place where you're stable and fixed under the shadow of the almighty God. With no foe can withstand. Amen? No matter what foe's coming against you, God is greater. You're standing in him and he's standing in you. And you're built upon the rock. And I mean the winds may come. They may blow. They may beat upon your house. But when you're standing on the rock, you will not fall. He'll deliver you 
from destruction. Now I like how 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 reads in the Amplified. It reads this way. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardness or fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind and personal discipline. See, it takes personal discipline to get to the other side, to cross over. It takes the abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind. It takes self-control. You've got to discipline your mind. You've got to cast down every single thought and imagination that comes against the knowledge of God's word. I'll tell you what, in 2 Corinthians it says the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not subject to man. They're not subject to the flesh. They're what? They're mighty through God to pull down every stronghold of the enemy. They're mighty through God. Are you using your weapons, your spiritual weapons? Are you praying? Are you using your faith? Are you speaking the word? Are you acting like it's true? Amen? That can be a a challenge to do all those things when you're in the middle of a storm. But see, what have you trained yourself for? No discipline at the present time seems joyful, but it yields peaceable fruit to those who have been trained by it. So you start training now, and you're in training every day of your life to live this life, amen, the way God has intended us to live it. So his grace finds you and empowers you to cast down those thoughts and to resist fear and to walk in faith. His grace finds you. It's presently active to empower you to keep the water out of your boat. His grace finds you and his grace brings you through. Now, one key point to getting to the other side is that you must, again, stand in faith, but you also must stand with patience, as we just said. To cross over, you've got to employ patience. You've got to put it to work. You've got to exercise it. And what happens is it grows. Too often I hear people say, I have no patience. Don't say that. Because you need it. It's the power twin to faith. Faith and patience. Through faith and patience, you inherit the promise. And I'll tell you what, his promises are so great. And don't we want to inherit all of them? Thank you, Lord, that you're helping us by your grace. Your grace that that finds us. Your grace that seeks after us, that's actively present to see us through. Sometimes there's a process to getting to the other side. Actually, many times there are. It may not just be um, about you, but it may be about a loved one of yours. 
and maybe about a situation at work with other people involved. And again, it's a process of getting to the other side of that storm. And again, you may feel like Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat and that he really doesn't care about the fact that there's no money in your account and you have to feed your children. The fact that maybe you just lost your job. The fact that maybe your health is being attacked. The fact that your marriage is on the rocks. The fact that you're just dealing with that addiction and you want to be free. Whatever it is, his grace is presently active and seeks after you to see you through. You're standing in him, church, and he's standing in you. Here's another key to help you in many situations. How do you eat an elephant? Teresa's going to laugh because she knows I say this all the time. One bite at a time. If you take one bite and you chew really good, you're going to get through it. Some parts may not taste that good. But you'll get through it. And that's how you're going to make it. You're going to have to just flat out trust God to get you through. You're going to have to flat out trust him to help you to do what you cannot do for yourself. You're going to have to trust him to divinely influence your heart with his word, with his spirit, with the want to, with the will. Amen. Glory to God. His grace finds us through. It takes us to the other side. So, one day at a time, like that one bite, is sometimes the process. Isn't that right, Charles? Sometimes you just got to go one day at a time. Because there's not really grace for tomorrow's issues. There's grace for today. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that. He said, take no thought saying. Take no thought saying. What are we going to do about tomorrow? What are we going to do? What are we going to eat What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Jesus said, don't think about that. You know, seek first his kingdom. And all those things are going to be just added to you. And sometimes he even multiplies them to you. But you have to do what he says. Otherwise, you're not going to live in peace. You have to take one test at a time. One situation at a time. One report at a time. You know, and you go through the process. And then you have peace. And God helps you. And you're not overwhelmed. So that's a discipline of the mind not to think of sometimes something as a totality. You take one day at a time. You're dealing with, you know, whatever it is that's that's got a stronghold. One day at a time you work through that. An attack that's coming against you one day at a time, you speak the word. One day at a time, you believe God. One day at a time. Children of Israel tried to eat the manna, tried to save up the manna for for tomorrow, and the manna did what? It it became mildewed. Because it doesn't require faith to do that, see? And God wants our faith. He wants us to depend upon him. And when you're in a storm, you're forced to depend upon him. Because the storm is bigger than you are. Amen? And so, we can access this grace through faith. 
through faith. That's how you get it. Just like you get anything else from God. You ask him for it. You believe him for it. You have faith for it. Amen? That takes the faith of a mustard seed. And then it grows and it develops. You just got to plant it. You've got to plant something. Amen? Believing for God's grace to come upon you. And when you start where you're at, God just begins to grow you in grace. You know, Jesus said, why are you afraid? Why, why are you fearful? Don't you have any faith? What, what, what it's saying there is, don't you, you have undeveloped faith. You see? So you have to develop your faith like you develop a muscle. How do you do that? You develop muscles by using them. You develop your faith by using them. And sometimes you have strong faith in one area, but maybe another area. Maybe you haven't been focusing on. All of a sudden, a suddenly comes up, and you have to work on that again. So that's why it's good to come to church and to be in all the services so that God can feed your heart faith, so your heart will feed you faith when you need it. Amen? Glory to God. So we access this by faith, his grace, and therefore we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You know, pastor said something to me just the other day. He said, time, test, trust. And that is so true. You will find through time that you can trust him. You can depend on him. You can completely rely on him, and he will never forsake you. He will never leave you. He will never let you down. And you know what else? He's always going to be on time. It may not be your time, but God stands in eternity, and it will be his time. And you know what? His grace will be actively present. His grace will be sufficient through that waiting period, and that grace will see you through. His grace finds you, amen? Glory to God. Father, we just thank you so much for the grace of God, for the help of God, for your presence in our lives, that you're presently, actively seeking us with your grace to see us through. And we give you praise and glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now I'm just going to ask everyone just to bow their heads because there's some folks here, maybe you've never received Jesus into your life. And that is the very first step to walking in God's grace. And the very first place that you need to exercise faith is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God that he died for you, that he shed his blood on the cross for you, that he went to hell for you, and that, you know, he was raised from the dead, and he is now Lord, and he wants to come into your life. He wants to come, and he wants to change your life. He wants to give you a better life. He wants to make you whole.